Soul City Church, what an honor, what a joy to be with you. This is such a different experience. Uh, normally I'm in the house and the, the anointing and the presence of God and the people of God uh, are uh, together. It's just so different, isn't it? It's a new reality, but I'm so thankful. Uh, I've been actually Zooming and virtually doing services uh, with friends and uh, partners. Uh, but I said, I just have to be in the house. Uh, and so I'm so grateful uh, that I'm here. And, and one of the reasons that I wanted to be here, and I wanted to let you know, Soul City, and I know that there are others of you that are not part of this community, but you need to hear this. <clears throat> I had a chance to meet your pastors uh, way back uh, when I was a youth pastor uh, and knew them when they were younger youngins. Uh, and the amazing thing uh, to see what God has done as they obeyed God's call to come into the heart of the city in which I was born and start a church, but not just any church, a church committed to being a multicultural community. Uh, and let me just say this to you all. There are a whole lot of churches that have a lot of ethnicities, but there's usually one dominant culture. Um, and they've leaned into the messiness and the discomfort of difference and allowed God to do some amazing things. And beyond just that, their commitment to the community right now. Listen, Aunt Jemima is not going to be Aunt Jemima no more. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's a whole different reality. I mean, things are changing as well they should. But long before their knee-jerk reactions to things, they intensely decided to be in the community and of the community, all aspects of it. And I just want to just say to you, Soul City, it is an honor to step in what I consider to be holy ground in the city of Chicago. And you all ought to be grateful and excited about what God is doing through and in this church. And so there is a word from the Lord. And I'm so excited that God has given me this specific word for this house. So can we pray together? God, we honor you and we bless you and we thank you so much for your word. Your word is a lamp to our feet. It is a light on our path. In a time where we're stumbling and we're trying to figure out which way to go because it seems so uncertain and unprecedented, we thank you that your word illuminates the way. We can't stumble when there are big headlights on our feet and a big lamp on our path. And so, God, would you let your word speak to us in this hour and give us a on time and right now word that would encourage and God perfectly transform us. And we'll be so careful to give you all the glory, the honor and praise in the name that has the power to still do miracles in Jesus name. Amen. I want to share with you all from a passage of scripture that's been one of my favorites. It's in John's gospel, John chapter 17. I'm reading from the New International Version, John 17, beginning at verse 20. Jesus says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me." I want to talk from the subject, the miracle of unity, the miracle of unity. If there's ever a time, you all, that we need a miracle, it's now. I mean, I, I thought that the pandemic would have been it, right? I mean, in the, in the midst of an unprecedented time, unprecedented time globally where uh, we've seen something that we've never experienced in my lifetime. Uh, I thought that would have been pretty much it. But then on the heels of that, the unrest that we're facing both in our country, uh, but not only here, but even around the world, around the subject of race, it seems as though the whole world is on edge. 
And for many of you that are watching, no matter where you are on your station in life, I'm sure many of you are wondering what's going on and will things ever get back to normal? And if they do, what will that look like? I mean, how will the kids return to school and how will I reenter into the workplace? And when church opens up, how is that going to look? And, and many of you are concerned about your own financial future because many uh, jobs have been uh, replaced and retooled because of the pandemic. You all, I believe in miracles. And let me just say this, you all, all during the pandemic and even in the, the history of this racial tension that our country has lived into and the messages that I've been sharing about that, I could have easily chosen, I mean, and Jared and Jeannie say, hey, whatever God leads you to talk about, just do it. I could have talked about race. I could have talked about a whole bunch of things, but I kind of felt that it was important today specifically. And as you're closing out this month to end talking about what Jesus prayed and also end with the hope that miracles still happen. Let me just say this to those of you that are watching. I believe that there is a responsibility that we must take as, as citizens. There's a responsibility that our government should take. I believe that there are things that we should hold uh, those who make decisions accountable for. All of those things are important. But at the end of the day, we are the body of Christ. At the end of the day, we are still the church. And at the end of the day, you all, I believe that there's some things that we need to remember and tap into that remind us that even if the government doesn't do what it's supposed to do, and even if corporate America doesn't respond the way that they should, and even if there is no vaccine, even if those things don't happen, we still have a God who has all power of heaven and earth in his hand. You need to not be overwhelmed. Can I tell you something that God is not doing? <gasps> That's what he's not doing. God is not. Listen, this did not take God by surprise. God is not sitting in heaven saying, oh, my God, do you guys know what's going on? I mean, he he is fully aware of what is going on and he is on the throne and he has all power. For some of you, you say, Harvey, it doesn't feel like that. You seem very optimistic and you're always that way. But can you give me something that would maybe give me the same level of confidence or the same level of optimism that you have? Because I'm looking at the reality of what's happening in my life and loved ones that I've lost. I'm looking at the pain of people that I care about who are still sick. I'm looking at the reality of my financial situation that's upside down. I'm looking at this racial tension that seems to be getting worse. Harvey, I hear you, but can you give me something more than just your own personal enthusiasm about miracles? Yes, I can. I can give you the word of God. And let me just say this to you. Many of you, I know you're on a journey and all of us are on it. Either we believe it or we don't. Either we believe that what Jesus is getting ready to say is what he prayed and what he prayed he has power to deliver on or he can't. And so I believe that he can. All right. So what did he say? I'm glad you asked. He says in verse 20, Jesus now is praying. Now, this is great with Jesus. He says, my prayer is not for them alone, but I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. So, y'all, this is actually the Lord's prayer. Many of us, I've heard uh, the term the Lord's prayer, and we ascribe that to another model prayer that he gave for his disciples. His disciples said, Lord, we don't even know how to pray. Would you show us how to pray? He said, well, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And so the prayer that most of us are familiar with, that's not his prayer, because you do know in that prayer, he said, and forgive us our sins. 
sins as we forget. You know, he didn't sin. So that was not his prayer. It was a model prayer for us to follow. But in John chapter 17, this is actually the prayer of Christ. Now, listen, you all, uh, in times of need, I've got some prayer people who I know uh, they know how to reach God. And I'm sure some of you do, too. One great thing about Soul City is this is a praying church. I mean, y'all got a guard. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's a real deal. I mean, you've committed uh, resources and intention into prayer because we know that it is in prayer that miracles happen. But can I say this to you? As much as I try to reach out to people who I know can pray and wonder, can they get a prayer through? Can I tell you something that I know as a surety? When Jesus prayed, his prayer is going to get through. You know what I mean? You, you don't have to wonder. I wonder whether or not Jesus' prayer, was it a miss? I wonder, if, was his prayer in the will of God? I wonder if his prayer, you know, and when Jesus prayed something, not only was it in the will of God, but listen, inside of the prayer is the power of it happening. Jesus would not pray a prayer and then not believe and know that it could happen. So here's the question. Do we believe that Jesus was lying? Do we believe that he was just having some kind of exercise? Or do we believe that the potency found in what he was praying can actually be done? I believe that inside of his prayer is the miracle that our world is waiting for. Now, hear me now. He says this that I'm sharing uh, with this prayer is not just for the disciples that are with me. Uh, you all know that the early uh, followers of Christ, they heard him and he was praying for them. He said, I'm not praying for them alone. But I'm praying for those who would believe in me through what they say. That means any of you that are watching that have come to a saving knowledge of God through Jesus, you have come to that knowledge through the disciples. He says, I'm praying not just for them, but for every person who comes to know me because of them. Do you know him? Have you accepted him? Well, if you've accepted him, this prayer is for you. He says, what then? The question is, what is the prayer that he prayed? Look at verse 21. Jesus says, I'm praying that all of them would be one. Hear this now. Jesus said, I'm praying that all of them. You mean all of them? All of them. No, no, you don't. Surely you don't mean all of them. You mean some of them jokers who, you know, are perpetuating racism through ecclesiology. You mean them? All of them. You mean people who have been so mean-spirited and who don't, uh, who are not mindful of people who are marginalized or who are different from them. You mean them? All of them. You mean people that don't have much? Them. People who have much? Them. People who are rich? Pe Listen, all of all means in the Greek it means all all of them may be one this was the Lord's prayer and this is his prayer that all of us would be one but this is the caveat that really blows my mind you all look at the text here it says not just any kind of oneness but the oneness that he and the father have he said, I'm praying not just for some surface unity, but I'm praying that the same level of intimacy that you and I shared before the creation of the world and after the world is dissolved, that level of connection and that level of relationship, I am praying that prayer for everyone who would believe in me through the message of the disciples. I'm praying that they would be one like that. Now, you all that, listen, that's, some, that's a serious prayer. You do know that there's nobody closer than Jesus and the Father. I mean, they're one. He says, my prayer is that the same level of connection that you and I have, 
that those who are part of us would have the same level. Now, I don't know about you. When I hear that, I think impossible. How in the world can that happen? Listen, I've been married for a long time. I've been, my, I've been with my girl since high school. We're high school sweethearts. Uh, love at first sight. She saw me. She loved me. Uh, just amazing. <laughs> don't show her this. No, nobody forward this, all right? Uh, and so it's amazing that through all the years, I mean, we're, and we're completely different. What a sense of humor God has to allow two people that are completely opposite to be in love with each other and to walk together. I mean, everything about us is different. But you all, the miracle of oneness is not the miracle of sameness. God is not saying, I want sameness. I want oneness. And oneness can happen with difference. Now, here's the thing, though. It takes a supernatural act of God for that to occur. Because human desire to do something so impossible will always end with frustration. Look what he says here in the next part of this. He says, my prayer is that they would also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. Now, this is really pivotal because now Jesus connects evangelism to unity. He says, I'm praying that those who are followers of me, Christ's followers, would have this radical, unprecedented, unparalleled oneness and unity. And when that happens, then the world will believe that you sent me. He's saying that the world has a hard time believing that Jesus is real when he looks at the church. When he sees us divided and we see those of us who claim to be connected to him, not connected authentically to each other, the world has a hard time dealing with that. Now, this is just my little moment here, if you don't mind talking about the history of the American church that's been quite challenging. You all, the American church, uh, whether you know it or not, when, when the country started, we, we rebelled against, you know, the tyranny of, of England. We said, we're out of there, right? We're not going to have taxation without representation. And so we, we don't want to be a part of any of that stuff. But listen, the Anglican church, the Anglican church had had an epiphany. Slavery's not right. Slavery's not right. So we will not, we will no longer allow slavery in England. So when we broke away from England with all of their evil rules and all of their taxation and all of their wrongness, we said we don't want to have anything to do with that. However, we do want to have something to do with slavery. And so the early Church, the early Christians who came here, who loved God, built a theology around slavery. <laughs> and as they continued, you all, and this is just facts, and please don't take my word for this, because I know some of us are on different journeys and, and say, oh my God, they're politicizing and they're having these moments in church. I'm about to preach about Jesus and the Holy Ghost in a minute, so please calm down, take it down. I'm saying, do your own homework. This is not something I'm making up. And not only that, you all, so they built the theology, right, around the fact that people that looked like me did not even have a soul. We were not even human. We're the only people group that had to be finally voted into humanity. Because to be chattel and to be owned, we had to be categorized as part human. And do not compare us to any other ethnicity because other immigrants never had to struggle for humanity. All right, so we, please understand the trauma that we go through. Why are black people so angry? Because we weren't people till recently. And so you are the church as it moved forward. 
even during the time of the civil rights movement. Right now, Dr. King, everybody loves Dr. King. Oh, 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 Dr. King Sunday, all churches, evangelical churches, all Dr. King. I have to, everybody wearing stuff, walking around, can't they cloth, all that. But when Dr. King was here, the church ended up rejecting him and did not stand with him. They did not want to see equity. So here we are in 2020. And God is saying the same prayer now that he prayed then. Would the church be one? Would they realize, although they were different, have different experiences and different backgrounds, we're not praying for sameness. We won't worship the same. We won't think the same. We won't approach life the same. But can we at least be one? So the world is begging for the church to say something, anything. And the church's silence in this hour is akin to the two officers who were silent. And there's a generation that is looking at the church and wondering what will the church say in this hour so that this will not become another punctuation in human American history of the evangelical church turning their back on people of color. Jesus said, I'm praying that the oneness that we have would become evangelical in its result, that the world will believe that Jesus is here. Well, why would the world believe that God sent Jesus? Can I tell you what? Here's the crux of the message. It's going to take Jesus for us to be one. <laughs> Look at the next verse. I have given them the glory. That's a preaching part right here. I have given them the glory that you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. So he hid inside of this whole text the means and the modality for this to happen. He says, you cannot do this with intention alone. You cannot do this with desire alone. You cannot do this with a march alone. You cannot do this with legislation alone. It's going to take glory for us to see oneness happen at the level he's talking about. Well, what kind of glory are you talking about, preacher? I'm glad you asked. 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I love it. Verse 9, the Bible tells us that Paul was begging God about something he was wrestling with that he could not overcome. How do we overcome something that we don't know how to overcome in our own strength? He prayed and he prayed and he prayed and God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. Watch this. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. Here it is. For my power is made perfect in weakness. God says humanity's inability to do stuff reminds them of their need for me to do it through them. Can I tell you the crux of Christianity? Here it is. Have you read the Ten Commandments? The Ten Commandments. Have you read them before? You've read them. All right. Ten Commandments. You want to get depressed. Start reading the Ten Commandments. Just If you just want to just have a day to just want to, you know, it's raining outside. You know, COVID got you in the crib. You want to get depressed. Just start reading not the 10 requests, not the 10, you know, suggestions, not the 10 suppositions, the 10 commandments. Don't lie, ever. Don't ever desire something that's not yours, ever. Don't ever bear false witness against, you know, ever. 
Don't listen. Some of y'all today, like, I don't know if I want to click on Soul City. I don't. Isn't that deep? Not not get in the car and go somewhere. I don't know if I want to click on. Do I need to get up and click? Are we going to turn the computer? I mean, do you know the struggle you're having about clicking on? He says, don't ever put anything before me. I am the Lord your God. Don't put, don't ever put comfort or bed or anything, but don't ever put anything before me. All of us, right, have sinned and come short of the glory that's encased in those commandments. Now, here it is. Why would God give us commandments that he knew we couldn't keep? He gave them to us to remind humanity of our inability to do God-sized things without God. God constantly reminds humanity that the things that I'm asking of you, you cannot do without me. He says you cannot do God-sized things without God. And it is impossible. It is impossible for people like you and me to ever be one like God in the Father without God. It is not. It is not intention and temporary brokenness that's going to bring unity. It's going to take glory. It's going to take the glory of God. And let me just say this to you. The Holy Spirit is not goosebumps on Sunday. The Holy Spirit is not you having some kind of an emotional response to a song. The Holy Spirit, he is present and at work in humanity and the, in the earth to remind us that God is with us. You all, when Jesus came and caught a cloud and went back home, he says, I will not leave you comfortless, but I'm going to send somebody like me who's going to be in you. Do you know who you have in you, child of God? You have God inside of you. I know you may not feel like it. I know your circumstances may not look like it, but you've got God inside of you. And the glory that accompanies him enables us to do the impossible. And you know why he does it that way? Can I tell you why? Because if it was up to us, we would claim the credit. I had an idea for unity. <laughs> and I had a three-point strategy, and I did that. And, you know, and I want a plaque, and I want to, you know. He says, no, 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 no. I need to get something so impossible so that when it happens, everybody knows this was God. Let me just pause for a minute. Has there anything, anything in your life that has ever happened that your fingerprints were not on? Has there, has there been any miracle that people that didn't even believe in God looked at what happened in your life and the witness of the miracle made them say there must be a Jesus? So God is saying, watch this, I'm creating a perfect storm in America. I'm creating an impossible scenario. So that my glory would be revealed and I would begin to do something that when I finish it, everybody knows it was not humanity's effort, but it was the divine power of God's achievement. I believe you all that God could use this moment. I believe that God is using this moment. So let me bring this away from the evangelical church and all out there and can I just bring it to us? What is it right now that causes you to have disdain for the other? 
<clears throat> and it may not be, you know, black and white. It may be a cousin who just irritates you. It may be a sibling that you haven't spoken to in years. It may be somebody who just approaches life and thinks about life in a way that's so different from yours. And because of that, you've chosen to disconnect. You don't do it that way. You don't see it that way. Wouldn't it be amazing if the glory of God in you enabled you by his power to connect in a way that's outside of you? I've said this before, Soul City, um, but I don't know what it is about God. You know I'm black, right? Y'all know that, right? And uh, it's really clear. High-definition high black. And you know what? I, I grew up in a Baptist church, James Meek, Southside Chicago. That's my home church, Salem, right? You know, I grew up there. I mean, I went to a black college, you know what I'm saying? I went down to Bishop College where everybody hooped. I mean, hooping is the thing black people do when they preach. You know, it's a style of preaching. And it's, it's just the truth. Everybody hooped. I mean, even when I went to lunch, the people that were serving me lunch in the thing, they were like, mm, would you like some? Uh? I mean, it was, just, it was just a situation. And so you all, I don't know why God has decided me to continually talk to white people. As if that's my comfort zone. You know why? Because he, by his spirit, says for the church to be one, Harvey, I need to get you out of your comfort zone. And by my power, bring you into spaces and into situations that would allow others to experience something maybe they never experienced before. Not by Harvey's choice, but by God's design. And what has God allowed to come in your life that you are irritated about that is really his assignment for you? What has God allowed to happen around you? The community's changing. Yeah. Yeah. Because God is allowing that for you. Not for you to run and be afraid, but to say, okay, God, in this space that you've created for me, how can your glory be revealed so people can know that Jesus is at work? And so he says, I've given them glory so that they may be one as we are one. In the nine minutes I got left, it says in verse 23, I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. You all, I'm praying in the name of Jesus that this church, that this church would lean into its discomfort. This month for some of you all has been very tough because you love this church. But can I just be candid? And by the way, I don't talk to the pastors. They're my friends. We don't... If, if something I'm saying is hitting, it's because the Holy Spirit told me. There's not some meeting I had. You understand what I'm saying? Because I know how people think, ah, they didn't talk to Pastor Gary so he could come in and tell. That's petty. We're so beyond that, all right? So if this is fitting, hello, Cinderella. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> some of us feel as though the church has been hijacked this month. America, in a way, feels like Every news cycle has been hijacked by this race thing. Product lines. Paw Patrol has been hijacked. How dare they remove Paw Patrol cop? They've hijacked my Paw Patrol. And in many ways, you all, I can, I can honestly see how you can feel tired of that. 
I'm just going to be honest with you. For some of you, I can say, are you serious? So, Harvey, why? Why would my church spend a month talking about this subject when there's a million subjects to talk about? Can I tell you why? Because Jesus is saying, I need the church for once in America to say something. You know the reason I'm standing here and I wanted to be in this room because this church for a month said something and I've been to churches that have said nothing. And at the expense and at the expense of some of you maybe being upset or maybe being angry or maybe saying, I don't even want to be a part of that community. They leaned in for a month. And can I tell you why? Because the American church has been silent for hundreds of years. And they said, if we've got to suffer it to be so, then let us for a month say enough is enough. Yes. And I'm grateful as a black man who grew up in Chicago that there's a church this filled with some white people who said, you know what, we get it. And we're willing to just talk about it. But can I tell you something? The unity that we're talking about is not just some pie in the sky thing. It's what God says he wants to see happen through his people. And if it can't happen here, where will it happen, Soul City? If it can't happen here. And for those of us that know it's impossible, Harvey, I don't know how to talk to people. I don't know how to interact with people that are so different. I don't either. But do God. Can I tell you what the gift of tongues is? I know there are different manifestations of it. Gift of tongues is me talking to white people. You understand what I'm saying to you? That's my tongue. I'm being honest. That's my, that's my you know, kodobosa. Let me tell you why. Because that's not my natural language, is to have three points in 30 minutes. <laughs> I'm just keeping it real. Y'all know black churches, we'd be like, okay, this is just a warm-up, you know. But listen, you all, for the greater good, for something beyond what's comfortable for Harvey, I allow the glory of God in me to bring us together. And could it be that this message that you're watching today would remind you that this is not some over, you know, focus on a subject matter. But this is God saying, church in America, right the wrongs. Make it right. So that post-Christian America and young people who are marching and young people who are sitting in would say, what is the church saying? The reason that we will see a greater proliferation of young people not coming to faith will be the church's silence about the issues that they are passionately concerned about. And this church is concerned about it. So lastly, he ends by saying these words again. After they've been brought into unity, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you've loved me. I love how he ends this. He says, not only again will the world know that he's been sent, but he says, but also that the Lord has loved them, us, 
the same way that he loves Jesus. I want to end with this. God loves you. God loves you. Whether you're somebody who says, I feel like I'm misunderstood because the skin I'm in has made me seem like an oppressor. And I, I, I don't know how to deal with that, Harvey. I mean, I just happen to be a white person. And why am I being made to feel like my existence is wrong? He loves you. I'm a black person that's been marginalized and I'm angry and I'm upset. He loves you. I'm neither one of those ethnicities, and I'm wondering why is the conversation always black and white when there's a million others? He loves you. No matter where we are on the journey, he loves you. So you all, I'm praying a prayer for unity, and I'm going to pray this prayer, and I'm going to pray us out. I believe in miracles. Several years ago, you guys may have heard my testimony, but I got gravely ill. And literally, you all, was on my deathbed. I went to the hospital. They gave me various treatments for a stomach virus that moved into my whole system. And bottom line, my whole system was breaking down, could not take any food in. And they sent me home on hospice. I was down to about 70 or 80 pounds, unable to speak, no use of my bodily functions. My pastor had planned my funeral. He had rented an arena downtown for an entire month because he knew that I would die that month. But I never forget one night, about two in the morning, God says, get up. I'm connected to a machine. Get up and go get something to eat. I disconnected the machine that was keeping me alive and went to get something to eat. And now I've got COVID-19. <laughs> I need to lose some weight. That's what that means. I don't have it. I have the effects of eating 19 more pounds. Bottom line, I'm a walking miracle. I've seen God do miracles. I'm not supposed to be here, but because my wife told my pastor, she said, oh, Harvey can't die. He says, well, you know, part of the grief process is denial. That's the first part. She says, oh, no, no, no. It has nothing to do with denial. Uh, God told my husband he's going to go to Detroit to start a church, so we're not there. So either uh, he's going to get up from the grave or he's not going to get in the grave at all. I believe in miracles. And I don't know if you're watching and maybe you're nervous about the future of the world. God's got it. I don't know whether or not you're in the midst of your own personal pain of sickness and disease. He's a healer. I'm exhibit A. The financial uncertainty of the future. Can I tell you a secret? Your job has never been your source. God just used your job as a vehicle to get you some money. It's, he has always been your source. I believe in miracles. And with all the unrest that's happening in our country, I still believe that the church has an opportunity to have its finest hour. And I believe that Soul City Church is one of the greatest churches this side of heaven. And can I pray for us that the unity of God would happen and it would happen in a way that would let everybody in this whole area know Jesus must be alive. Because have you seen the type of people that go up in there? They should never be going in the same building together. There must be a God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for the miracle of unity. We thank you that you embody the miracle of unity in this mystic yet true fact called the Trinity. <laughs> God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, all three different but yet in one. What a mystery, but what a model of not sameness, but oneness. And now, God, would you 
allow the prayer that you prayed over us to be made manifest in this hour. That in the darkest days of American history where the church of Jesus Christ has been silent about the issues of injustice in particular, would you allow God in this moment, in this season, for the people of God to see something occur with people who look different, people who have different backgrounds, people who see and worship differently, people who have different sides of the aisle in which they vote, be able to come together under one roof virtually and say, Jesus is Lord. And God, as we do that, the world will look and say, no one could do that except God. And so, God, would you let your glory fall on us and would you let your power be revealed through this church? God, would you move mountains through this church? God, would you root out illnesses and root out systemic problems and systemic issues through this church? Would you allow, God, bridges to be built through this church? Would you allow healing to happen in the deepest hearts and places of people's lives through this church? And God, when that happens, it won't be that Soul City sticks out its chest because Soul City will know we didn't know how to do none of that. But it was God that did it. And it's God to whom we give glory. And God, I pray for anyone that's watching that may not know you, who may have just tuned in to just kind of find out what's going on. God, would you let them know that you love them so much and that all they've got to do is nothing fancy but simply say, I can't do life without God. And in that simple surrendering act, you will come into their life and change it forever. And then for those of us who follow you, would we not run from the situations you placed us in, but know that we are in them for your glory to be revealed. And we pray this prayer in the name above all others, in the name that brings us unity. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless your soul city.